Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Nina. And you're listening to Slice Slice of Murder. Murder. Bright and early, 7.41 a.m. Yes, we got up really early this morning just because we didn't want to film last night. We were a little anxious. As you may know, today Taylor Swift tickets go on sale. And we are so anxious. We heard that the Ticketmaster website is crashing. Like people are getting sent to the back of the line. It's not good. It's just chaos. Yeah. So we couldn't really manage that energy last night. So we're going to have to do it this morning. Yeah. And I don't know if that's better or worse. I really am only halfway through my coffee right now. So, and I have so much Dayquil in my system right now. It's crazy. Yeah. We're both sick. So we took the day off. And it was perfect timing because we can stay home for <laughs> to purchase tickets for Taylor Swift. So it worked out perfectly. All right. Um, highs and lows of the week. I guess my rose, well, my rose was that it was a three-day weekend last weekend. And it actually felt like a really long break. Like, I don't know why. Maybe I just, we just did a lot of things last weekend. Like... We had Friendsgiving on Friday. Yeah, and then, that was so fun. And then we went to the concert on Saturday. We went to go see Young the Giant on Saturday. So maybe we just, just like did a lot of things, but it felt like a really long weekend, which was really nice. Yeah, that was also my high. Yeah. Our Friendsgiving, um, although my macaroni didn't taste good. <laughs> I thought we it was still good. Had fun. <laughs> just a little sweet. <laughs> yeah, I think I put too much nutmeg. And then my low is probably um, that, I don't know, I can't decide between the fact that I'm so stressed about television tickets that I gave myself maybe like a stomach ulcer or (laughs) (laughs) that I can't breathe out of my nose right now. (laughs) Yeah, those are pretty low, but hopefully... We, this is all worth it, and we get tickets. We will get tickets. We will get tickets. Uh, my low, I don't know, I don't really have a low. I guess it's the same, that I'm anxious. Yeah. Like, everything else I feel like went pretty well. Yeah. So this is a good week. Oh, um, announcement is we will not have an episode next Tuesday because of the holidays. Yeah, and we're going home for Thanksgiving break. Yeah, so we will not be together to film... Bless you. (laughs) Okay, so let's get started with today's case. So I was looking for cases online, and I ran across this one called Lady of the Dunes, which, have you heard about it? Um, I feel like I just, I haven't ever listened to, like, the case, but I feel like I just saw it in the headlines. Like, wasn't, like, more information just found out about it or something? Yes, that's why I was like, I have to do it, because... On October 31st, after, like, when is it, 1974, to now, they've just, um, what do you call it? They've just identified mm-hmm. the woman who was found at the beach. Yeah, I like, feel like I, I just saw, like, headlines about it, but then I never read the original one, so I was like, oh, I don't, like, I don't really understand what's going on here, but. Yeah, so. That's exciting. 
I know. I feel like that's so nice after such a long time. Like, it just gives you hope for, like, other cases like that, like, that haven't been solved in a while. Like, I feel like it's just, like, if you can figure out something after, what is that, like, 50 years? Like, if you can figure out her identity after 50 years, like... That's insane. Yeah. With, like, today's technology, Mm -hmm. it's amazing what we can do. Yeah. And you'll see how that helps them identify her. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is the Lady of the Dunes. So on July 26, 1974, a woman's body was found in Race Point Beach in Provincetown, Massachusetts. The woman was lying on the beach um, with her head on top of a pair of folded jeans and a blue bandana. The woman was estimated to have been there anywhere from 10 days to three weeks. And nobody had seen her before? So there are claims that there were sightings before they reported it. Oh, okay. And she was almost decapitated, and she was missing her hands, and nobody could identify her for years until recently. And recently, we're talking about October 31st, 2022. That's crazy. Like, like a few days ago. Yeah, yeah. I knew I, I knew I recognized that, the title, but that's actually crazy that they were able to do that after so long. I know. So, and I actually listened to a podcast morbid had a podcast on her mm-hmm. from last year so when she was not identified identified yet. so yeah. it's like interesting to hear like the theories and what they thought uh-huh. happened to her and yeah. then now reading what what actually happened yeah. to her okay that's cool well we don't know like exactly what happened to her because they don't know who her killer mm-hmm. was but now at, le- at least they identified her yeah they know a little bit more information yeah so the discovery so like i said on july 26th during the summer of 1974, a 12-year-old girl, Leslie Metcalf, and her family with a group of friends were spending time together at the beach in Race Point Dunes of Provincetown, Massachusetts. One of the dogs suddenly began to run away, and they started barking. So Leslie, the 12-year-old girl, went to go chase after the dog. When she suddenly realized the dog stopped, the little girl saw what at first to be appeared to be a dead animal, but soon realized it was a human body. She frighteningly said, Mom? Dad? And they immediately contacted the rangers on site. Leslie saw the woman was naked, and she saw her hands were buried in the sand, and her body was lying face down. The family said they had been visiting P-Town for years, but this was the last time they visited. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, I don't think I could go back somewhere after Yeah, after, after discovering a body. Like, that's just terrifying. Yeah, that's crazy. And this had been a very quiet town. It's right. Like, like, roughly, like, 5,000 people. It's yeah. pretty small. All those beach towns up there yeah. are, like, really small. Like, they're not, like, beach towns over here, like... Because yeah. it's just not as big. Like, it's, like, really small towns. Yeah, so everyone, like, knew each yeah. other. And the family was actually never interviewed for details. They just interviewed the ranger, which they thought was odd. Yeah, because usually they do. I mean, uh, they probably didn't think anything was, like, they were, like, suspicious or anything. Mm-hmm. But still, like, what if the family noticed something that the rangers didn't or something? Yeah, like, exactly. Or, I don't know, you have no idea if, like, they have a dog with them. Like, what if the dog, like, moved something mm-hmm. or you don't know that? Like, that's actually crazy that they didn't. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason they mentioned this was because some sources say the little girl was by herself. Mm-hmm. So 
This makes it sound like she's not a reliable source because uh-huh. she's a 12-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was with a group of people, so they could have seen something, too. Also, I think 12-year-olds are pretty reliable. Like, not all the time. <laughs> Sometimes. I don't know. I'm thinking of my brother who's 12. <laughs> Sometimes I worry about, um, like, just the things that they say. Like, did I ever tell you when we had our earthquake drill? We had our earthquake drill, like three weeks ago or whatever, like the great shakeout for California. And this kid goes, is the floor actually going to shake? <laughs> like, yes. We installed hydraulic plates in our just school just, drill. just to show off uh, what an earthquake could feel like. Yeah. So sometimes a little bit skeptical about their capabilities to mm-hmm. think critically about things. But I don't know. In this case, I feel like I would believe them. Yeah. I mean, if they said something like, I found a body, I think I would believe them too. But I think just with the details, yeah. it sounds like they're not reliable, but yeah. it was not just her. Yeah. Um, and Provincetown was better known for its popularity with artists and flourishing community of LGBTQ plus people. And it was not from, like, they've never had a case like this. Mm-hmm. And it was actually one of the longest cases to go unsolved in Massachusetts, which is crazy. Um, Yeah, that, wow. So the remains were found yards away from a road, and they had significant amount of insect activity. So this indicated that the woman had died about two to three weeks before, which is insane that she was just lying out there. For that long, and then nobody had called before yeah and at a glance i guess it looks like the victim appeared to be sunbathing because she was face down Mm -hmm. on a green beach blanket so maybe from afar they're like oh like she just lay there but you would think if you're walking or something like how is that the first how are those people the first people to like notice something was wrong yeah and especially if you're like with your dog letting your dog notice something right right like, my dog goes right to, like, the, all the dead fish. Like, it is <sighs> disgusting. Yeah. Like, he, every single time we take him on a walk on the beach, he goes, he finds the, those dead oh fish and the God. dead birds, like, within, Ew. like, 10 seconds <laughs> and picks them up and runs around with them. That is gross. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like a dog is bound to do that. Yeah. And this is, I feel like this is a popular beach here in this town. Yeah. But investigators noticed there was no apparent sign of struggle. So it seemed as though the woman was killed in that same position, so Mm -hmm. while she was sleeping, maybe, or sunbathing, Mm -hmm. or the woman knew her killer. And so, like, didn't fight back against it. Yeah. Okay. Because it, yeah, there was just no signs of No, like, defensive wounds or anything, yeah. The woman's head was, like I said earlier, lying on a pair of Wrangler jeans, and she had a blue bandana. The woman had long auburn or red hair which was pulled back into a ponytail by an elastic band. And her toenails were painted pink. Which I just think about, I'm like, my toenails are, I always paint them pink. Yeah, just those little details, I feel like, just make it so much more humanizing to people who are, like, reading these cases. Like, Mm -hmm. just imagine her, like, painting her toenails, like, not knowing that was going to be the last time that she's, like, ever painted her toenails. Like, that's really sad. Yeah. Yeah, those little details really get me sometimes. Yeah. Um, But this was, like, all the evidence they had. Mm -hmm. 
from the scene. On Saturday, July 27th, 1974, the autopsy was performed, and police determined she was about 5 feet and 6 inches tall, and she weighed about 145 pounds, and they described her as having an athletic build. It was also apparent she had some dental work, including her crowns, which was estimated to be around $5,000 to $10,000, which dentists refer to as the New York style. So this is like pretty pricey for dental work. And since it was so unique, they're like, maybe we can find a match Mm -hmm. with someone with this dental history. Uh And they sent the records all over the country and all over Massachusetts, but there was no match and miss like the unique dental work. Right. That's pretty insane that they didn't get a match because I feel like that's usually how they identify people is like through dental records. Mm-hmm. Like I think dental records are, I mean, I don't know exactly how they work, but I feel like they're pretty reliable. Like I feel that's how I've heard so many people get identified, even if they're like not recognizable anymore after their death, you know, like I, I just feel like that's crazy that they didn't get a match yeah but it it was also because they noticed several of her teeth had been removed postpartum mortem mortem yes (laughs) that's birth yeah postmortem this is why i can't go off script also that's why it's it's 754 in the morning so (laughs) yes so postmortem her teeth were removed And both of her hands and one forearm were missing. And small piles of pine needles were placed on the sand in place of her hands. Are there pine needles, like, by this beach? Yeah, I guess so. That's kind of freaky. Yeah. That's really freaky. So they theorize that the killer did this to remove her fingerprints so they could not identify her. And the killer also attempted to cut off her head from strangulation. Mm-hmm. And one side of her head had been crushed with possibly a military type of, like, entrenching tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had a large hole in her head, and blunt force trauma was likely the cause of her death. Although it can't be 100% confirmed because her body had been out for weeks. It was mm-hmm. just uh, very difficult to identify a clear cause of death. And with all of this, nobody noticed, like, you still thought she was just sunbathing? Like, that sounds like a lot of damage to have on your body. Like, I would almost get it more if it was just she had been strangled and there was no, like, physical harm to her. Mm -hmm. But that sounds like there was a lot of physical damage to, like, visible places. Yeah, so there was, like, blood around her, obviously. Like, that just, (laughs) how did, I don't understand how people thought she was just sunbathing. I know. For three weeks. Yeah, like understand the hands part. Mm-hmm. Like it looked like she was there, buried under the right. sand. Um, and then so this just like everything, the teeth being removed, the hands for fingerprints. So it's clear that the killer wanted, like they didn't want them to recognize who this was, right? And or who he was. You right. Know? He's like hiding his identity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just realized we didn't do the. The empanada. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll have to come back to that. Um, so, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, her age was estimated 
just realized we didn't do the epidemic. Well, because we had a tree, and then we forgot to do it. Okay, we'll do it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so her age was estimated to be around 25 to 40 years old, and this head injury was what killed her. There was also signs of sexual assault, likely post-mortem. There it is. You got it. Investigators thought the missing teeth, like I said, hands and forearms, indicated that the killer was trying to hide either the victim's identity and or their own. Mm-hmm. And seems as if the killer had experience and knew what to hide. Yeah, like that seems to me like maybe they didn't have like previous experience killing somebody but they definitely knew like they had definitely i don't know studied other cases or something and knew like what to to take off and knew what to kind of make sure police weren't able to find yeah or maybe even that it was planned yeah i think it proves yeah because like you have you would have to um i don't know you have to like a lot time for that kind of thing like you can't just be like oh shoot like i killed this person in a fit of passion and i'm just gonna like leave their body here and hope hopefully nobody finds it like Mm -hmm. that really is i i feel like you have to i mean unless he killed her in like another location and then moved her but it doesn't sound like he moved her right It, it sounds like they thought that she was killed there yeah or I guess that she was moved there, too. Right. But it was just odd how she was, like, laying, like, yeah. as if she was sunbathing. Yeah. Like, she was on, laying on top of a green towel, on top of, like, her jeans. Like, yeah. you know, you use, like, your clothes as a pillow at yeah. the beach. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. So, I don't know. To me, it's, like, that's a very open place. Mm-hmm. You have to, like, you have to know exactly what you're going to do and how long it's going to take you if yeah. you're going to do that in an open area. Yeah, and then I, the other thing that they found were just, like, two footprints kind of around where she was. Mm-hmm. And then they think this was because, like, people did see her before yeah. it was reported. But they don't think it was part of, like, the the killer or the killer's footprints. Yeah. But how? I wonder how they, like, determine that. Like, how do they... I mean, obviously, it's a beach, so, like, you're going to yeah. get people walking past, and there's going to be footprints anyway, but mm-hmm. I wonder how they determine, like, oh, these are not the killer's footprints, or these are the killer's yeah. footprints. Well, I think because it was at the beach, it's unlikely that their footprints would still be there because yeah, of just the wind, and then... That's true. The tide, right? Yeah. <laughs> It'd just be washed away. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's just That's just interesting to me, because I feel like that... I've heard that happen in a couple other cases where they're like, oh, well, they don't think that this evidence is tied to the killer or the person committing, like, accused of committing the crime. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, I don't know how you determine that, but I, right. they go through a bunch of training and, you know, work to get to that point. So I'm sure they have a reason for that. They're not just arbitrarily <laughs> saying, like, oh, it is or it's not. Yeah. Because we don't think know. that they would wear Crocs and these footprints are from Crocs. <laughs> this is 1974, so... Which shoes existed in 1974? Converse? No, probably like, I don't know, those heavy shoes. (laughs) They're on the beach. (laughs) They're on the beach. Uh, They could have gone at night. I don't know. (laughs) You don't ever wear closed toed Uh, shoes to the beach? No. I don't. I have. You're weird. (laughs) That's why. 
Okay. So, during the investigation, police looked over thousands of missing persons cases and a list of approved vehicles that were driven through the area. They looked at hotels. They just... Everywhere. Right. But it was difficult to find anything, and it did not generate any leads. So it was as if no one knew that she was missing. Mm-hmm. Like, no one was reporting her missing. And in a town of, like, somebody, people that... That close, That right? close, and, like, with a town with a population that small, it would seem like she would know at least somebody. Mm-hmm. And... Right. Or have at least one contact in that town otherwise like why would she be there yeah it just seems like a weird place to go by yourself you know where you know nobody Mm -hmm. and at the scene the sand and beach blanket were not disturbed like i said that's why they suggested that the body was possibly moved to that specific Mm -hmm. specific spot like you said after she was killed and no other evidence was found except for the jeans bandana blanket and her ponytail holder. Despite extensive searches in the surrounding areas, there were two footprints, I was ahead of myself earlier, around the area leading to her body, but they just don't think this has anything mm-hmm. to do with the murder. And so after this, she ended up being buried on October 1974, after the case went cold. So a few months after, and then they kept... What is it called when you get the casket out again? Exhuming. Exhumed. Yeah. Yeah. So her body was exhumed a few times, like to keep gathering like DNA evidence. So it's sad that like her body wasn't really laid to rest right. that whole time. Right. But I knew it was just so they can identify her and even like just find her killer. Yeah. Um. So she was buried in a local Catholic cemetery with a small marker that sadly said unknown female. That's sad. Yeah. And they actually like raised funds for a new casket because mm-hmm. like they kept exhuming her body. Yeah. And it's like that's so sweet that like the community members like are donating for her even though they yeah. have no idea who this person is. Yeah. Like they still like care about her and are willing to donate. Yeah. That's yeah. That's heartwarming. Sometimes people are good. Yeah. And <laughs> so through the investigation, the first facial reconst- reconstruction of the woman was created with clay in 1979. Her remains were exhumed in 1980 for examination. No new clues were found during this time, although the skull was not buried at the time because they needed it for yeah more like scanning and for gathering DNA. Um, the body was exhumed again in March 2000 for DNA. In May 2010, her skull was placed through a CT scanner that generated images that were then used by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children for another reconstruction. And I copied and pasted the picture here. Oh yeah, let me see. And this is her. That is crazy how they can do like facial reconstructions like that because I've even I've I was um went down like a rabbit hole, like a deep dive onto like the facial reconstructions that they do on you know when they find skeletons of like really, really old humans or like the yes. first That's been happening like, the, a lot. Yes, like the first first 
skeletons of what they think are way like prehistoric beings okay I'm like and i think that's just so cool how they have like software that can generate like what they think a human will look like just based on their right? skeleton like it's i just crazy. think that's so interesting like how technology has like is able to create that yeah and just interesting to me yeah i yeah. feel like this one sh- it's pretty close to what she actually looks like and they have a picture of her with no freckles, and then with freckles. Oh, because they were able to find a picture of her. Once they figured out who she was, they were able to find a picture of her later on. Yeah. And it, it's it's close to what she actually yeah, looked like. Yeah, I think it is. That's pretty cool. That's really nuts. I think her picture back then is black and white. I'll have to find uh-huh. it again. Yeah. That's why it's, like, hard to see, like, right. the details, like, in this reconstruction. Because this was made in, like, 2010. Yeah. So it's, like, pretty modern. She has red hair, and then they had to estimate her eye color. Like, how do they do that, though? How do you figure out that, like... Yeah, like, what her nose... I guess... I mean, they were... They did find her, so, like, I guess they did know that she had red hair because when they found her on the beach, like, they were able to find, like, figure that out. But still, like, all those kinds of things, I'm like, how are you able to determine so closely just based on... Like, your bones. Like, doesn't everybody's bones look the same? Like, I don't understand. Right? <laughs> I would look at two skeletons, they'd be identical. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, that's just nuts. But that's really cool that they were able to do that. Yeah, that's I agree. Cool. Yeah, and like I said, they had to estimate her eye color because it was unclear because she'd been out for so long that her eyes were just, like, gray. Or right, like, yeah. The pigment. gray or whitish. Like, the pigment fades i think yeah. after like the, it, through the decomposition process and i think like your eyes are some of the first to like lose their pigment mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's what happened to her um so they did have a few leads that they followed um in 1987 a canadian woman told her friend that when she was younger, she saw her father strangle a woman in Massachusetts around 1972. And this woman looked like the one found at the beach. Mm -hmm. So the police traveled to Canada in attempts to speak to the woman, um, but they were unsuccessful and they never heard from her again. So what was the point of her even saying anything? Right? I'm like, I wonder if something happened, like... Was her dad still alive that she was scared to say anything? That's true. That could have been, I don't know. My mind just first went to like, oh, she wants to just have like the fame. Yeah. You know, like she just wants to get in on like the case. Like, yeah, because we know there are people like that do that. And then when it got too real, like when they like actually (laughs) wanted to interview her, she was like, oh shit, like I could get in trouble for like saying information that's not true. Yeah. And then... Yeah, when they went, they said she had just moved or something like that. Yeah. And then there was a Maryland woman who thought it was actually her sister. And she said her sister had just moved to Boston and that her sister suddenly disappeared. She said the description of the woman matched her sister's from the hair to the height and weight. But when they looked at the dental work, the DNA did not match. Okay. Yeah, DNA, so they gathered, yeah. Um, yeah, the DNA, and they think they matched it to her sister. Yeah. And yeah, it was no match. Okay. 
I think it's just kind of sad that you think like, oh, this might be, I might have answers to what yeah. happened to my sister. Because then, then like, like that's a whole other thing. Like then, what happened to that woman? Right? There's like so many things that <laughs> like, I don't know. You hear, you hear all these stories, and I think you forget that like then there's so many people that also have unanswered siblings or relatives or parents or kids mm-hmm. that aren't haven't been able to be found and it's like that's so sad just when you think about the magnitude of everything going on yeah. you know um and the, yeah the, so this person was legit like she actually had like her, her sister her, that was yeah missing. a reason to yeah yeah and then there was sandra lee who came forward later saying that she was actually the first person to discover the lady of the dunes so she was with her dog when she said she heard a strange noise and smelled a horrible smell. She thought it was, like, just the beach smell. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, the other thing. It's right. Like, That's true. There's, like, a lot of dead things on the beach. Like, So I think the beach is just the worst place to yeah. find a body. Just because all the evidence can be wiped away. There's a lot of natural things working against Mm-hmm. You, yeah. So she was actually nine years old at the at the time, and she was walking her dog alone. That's scary. Yeah. So I understand why she did. She didn't say anything. Yeah. I understand why she didn't mm-hmm. say anything. Like that would be pretty terrifying. And yeah, I feel I'd like be traumatizing. Like, did I really just right? Say that? I feel like if I saw that, I would not believe like what I just saw. Yeah. You know, like I feel like I would not believe even like my own eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she was at the beach, and she noticed a woman lying down. And then, so, like I said, she was hearing a strange noise, like pearls being held. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're holding pearls in your hand, and then they're, like, hitting each other. Yeah. And later she found out these were actually thousands of maggots ew, that were crawling on ew, her body. Ew! 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 That's I disgusting. That. Ew! Like, what? Oh. Ew. That just gave I'm me, sorry, I should have given you a warning. <laughs> that just gave me, like, ew. Who? That's disgusting. Ew. I know. Imagine their, their feet. I just imagine the sound. That's yeah. really disgusting. I'm never buying pearls. I, that's real. I was not expecting that. That was, like, the furthest thing from my mind. I don't know what I expected, but it was not that. <laughs> That's so nasty. I I understand why she would not report yeah. report it. That is like a nightmare situation. That is really yeah. terrifying. So that was for like, a kid that young. Yeah. Yeah. So even when they originally found her, she's also covered in maggots just because it's been so long, and I feel like right just being exposed it's, like that. It's, after like twenty four hours, yeah, I think it's it like happen. you have. I don't know, there's some, Morbid talks about it all the time, like, the order in which, like, insects come, like, mm-hmm. there's, like, an order in which they come, like, first, there's, like, one, one kind of, of insect that comes, and then that's after, like, 12 hours, and then after, like, 24 hours, there's, like, different mm-hmm. types of insects that come. That's so interesting. So, I feel like it happens pretty quickly, so, if she's been out there for 10 days, like, yes, there's gonna be, like, a ton of, a ton of things. Yeah, so that was her, so she came out yeah. and said that later. Um, and then investigators also followed a lead involving a missing criminal named Rory Jean Kessner, who had the same height 
and body weight. She was a drug dealer and a bank robber, and she would have been 25 years old at the time of the Mm -hmm. murder, so it matched, like, the age and everything. And she actually broke out of jail in 1973, and authorities saw a resemblance between Kessner and the victim, but she was, like, never seen again. Oh. After this. Yeah. So they think, like, it could have been her. Because after she escaped, she was never, never seen, seen and then she matched a yeah. description. So they dug into this case further, and after DNA, like DNA samples from her mother, mm-hmm. they noticed there was not a match. Okay. So it was not her. So I wonder what happened to her. Right? Living like, her where best is she? life. Oh, well, I guess. more banks. Yeah, so she probably did not want to be Yeah, found. exactly. So this makes sense. Why yeah. I've never seen her again. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean,. Not good if she, like, did anything violent, but if she was just a drug dealer, like... Yeah, eh. she's kind of a baddie. (laughs) (laughs) That's what literally all the other podcasts said about her. (laughs) Like, that doesn't seem like she did anything mean, right? Like, that's fine. Like... (laughs) She just robbed a bank. No biggie. (laughs) Did she kill anybody? No, I don't think so. She's okay. Oh, wait. Yeah. I don't think so. Okay, good. So, she's fine. Yeah. She's living her best life in some cabin in the woods out there. <laughs> Hope that she's She's rebranding herself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so they followed two other missing women, but again, no match. Mm-hmm. Um, there was other sus- suspects. In 1981, investigators learned a woman who resembled the victim was seen with mobster Witty Bulger. Around the time the woman presumably died, mm-hmm. and Bulger was known for removing his victim's teeth. So there's a link to Bulger, but it has not been proven. And he was murdered in prison in 2018. I hate when that happens, like when you never get the person who they think did it to admit that they did it, or like the suspect that you think mm-hmm. may have had something to do with it, like dies before, because then there is, like, no hope. Like, you can't ever prove that that's a person. Like, yeah, there's no hope of dead. proving... Yeah, They never confess. And it's, like, unless they confessed to somebody. Mm-hmm. But even then, like, you don't know if that person is telling the truth. Like, anybody could come out and be like, oh, he confessed to me that he did it. But, mm-hmm. like, that's still not ever going to be, like, legally, definitively proven. Yeah. Yeah. I hate when that happens. In 2018... That was, like, four years before. That's, yeah. That's crazy. Because then you could, like, look into him if he had any connection whatsoever to the woman that they found out who it was. Like, once you know who that person is, then it's so much easier to make connections between that and, like, possible murderers. Mm -hmm. But before, like, they just had no way of, like, connecting that back, I guess. Yeah. And there is a actually a confession from Haddon Clark. Mm-hmm. He was a murderer, and he confessed, stating, I could have told the police what her name was, but after they beat the shit out of me, I wasn't going to tell them shit. This murder is still unsolved, and what the police are looking for is in my grandfather's garden. So authorities say Clark suffers from paranoid schizophrenia and a condition that may lead someone to confess falsely to crime so Mm -hmm. it wasn't really like reliable right and if there's no evidence that connects them then like that confession can't be taken 
yeah into consideration really it just has to be like okay, mm-hmm. well. and I feel like he was kind of saying like oh I have this information but now since you like beat me I'm not gonna tell yeah. you yeah it was I don't know that doesn't sound very reliable to yeah me. I think he was playing games yeah. with them you know yeah in 2004, Clark sent a letter to a friend stating that he had killed a woman in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. He also sent two drawings, one of a handless naked woman sprawls on her stomach and another of a map pointing to where the body was found. But did they publish where the body was found before? Yeah. And they published all those details, yeah, right? So they did. I feel like that's pretty... I mean, yes, that's weird, but if you're really committing to this bit that you have information about it and like you just really want to fuck with the police and the investigators yeah you're gonna say you're gonna do that and you're gonna know because if i mean i would think it's more reliable if they hadn't like published maybe the thing about her hands like they hadn't published that certain body parts were removed like then i would believe this a little bit more but as long as all the details are there and everything's Mm -hmm. available to the public like people are insane like people are nuts they're gonna do shit like this yeah. just to like it always happens yeah just to like i don't know have their name written down somewhere mm-hmm. things like that you know so and he's already going to jail for a long time so yeah like and you hear that a lot too like people who are i feel like i was just listening to something about like the john benet ramsey case and mm-hmm. there was somebody who was like already going to jail and oh i saw that yeah and he like confessed but they found out that he had no matching like DNA evidence like there was nothing that connected him to the case yeah. but he confessed like just because he was already going to be in jail he's like oh I did this other right and I guess crime. if you're going to be in jail for that long like yeah and you're capable of doing something that puts you in jail for that long like and you want your name to be I don't know like tied to this really like famous case like high profile yeah. so like your name is like Kept, keeps being talked about, mm-hmm. like, I guess you're this gonna confess, you know, so. But. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't think that is necessarily reliable. Yeah, yeah. Um, in April 2000, Clark led police to a spot where he claimed he had buried two victims 20 years before. He also stated that he had murdered several others in various states between the 1970s and the 1990s. So, I mean, maybe. Yeah. Because he is confessing to other things other as well. things, and maybe he did kill someone there at that beach, right, and it wasn't it wasn't her, her you know? yeah, which is sad, yeah, and then there was also another um like not like suspect, but just like someone who thought they saw a woman that looked like the lady of the dunes. Mm-hmm. So, from the movie Jaws, yeah. Um, in August 2015, speculation arose that the Lady of the Dunes may have been an extra in the 1975 film Jaws, which was filmed on Martha's Vineyard about 100 miles south of Provincetown between mm-hmm. May and October 1974. Joe Hill, the son of horror author Stephen King, brought this to the police's attention after mm-hmm. reading... Um, the Skeleton Crew, which is just um, about America's coldest cases. Mm-hmm. And while watching the film's 4th of July beach scene, Hill spotted a woman in the crowd wearing a blue bandana and jeans similar to those found around the body. 
Although a lead investigator has noted interest in this lead, others have been described as like very far-fetched and a wild speculation. Right, like that, I don't know, that it's interesting and it's like coincidental, yes. And maybe it, maybe she was and maybe it gives a reason as to like why she was in that area if like she didn't know anybody, you know? Like if that turned out to be her, like maybe that could be why she was there. But obviously like nobody had a connection to her because she didn't live there. She just was an extra in the film, but, like, I don't know. I feel like that's a pretty common outfit for right. the 1970s. Yeah. Like, like, I feel everyone's like... Everyone's wearing like, jeans. Like, everyone's wearing jeans, and I feel like bandanas were yeah. pretty big around then, too. One other thing interesting about Jaws, that's... It's, it? Part of it is based of where I live now. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Like, there's... It's, like, some river, Shark River. Remember when we talked about that case... Like, um, Sarah, the Sarah Stern case. Oh, yeah. It's that river, like, Shark River. That's but, where? Yeah, that's where it was. I don't know when it was. It was around that time, but, um, like, a shark swam into the river and attacked a kid. And that's oh part of God. why Jaws was, like, what Jaws was based on. So was it filmed there? Because it said 100 miles. No, south. it was filmed in Massachusetts because I think it was also... Um, oh, it's still Massachusetts. It was... It, I mean, it wasn't, like, based off of one shark attack in particular. Like, it was kind of based off of a collection of shark attacks that, like, went up the East Coast. But okay. one of them was right around me. Okay. But a lot of them were up north, more mm-hmm. into, like, Massachusetts. Yeah, I was, like, pulling up a picture of the... Yeah. The film, and this yeah. is the extra. So she's wearing a blue bandana. Yeah. And it's just, like, very blurry, so it's, like, hard to even see who this is. Right. Like, I, I guess know. it does look like her description, right? Like, the height. Yeah. But it also just looks hair. like any, like, dark-haired woman. woman. <laughs> yeah. That, so. Like, you can, you if you look for something, like, you can find it. You can find it if you look look hard enough for it, especially if it's, like, somebody that's not very clear. Mm-hmm. I feel like if people are looking for it, they'll be like, oh, yes, like, that looks exactly, that that looks exactly like her. Like, that is her. Yeah. But. It's just hard to say It's that. just because you're, like, looking for it, you know? Yeah, and then it's not like they could have checked the names because they actually did not keep track of extras' names. Yeah. So they can't even go back and see. Like, and there was, was so her? many people. Like I feel like in those scenes, there's yeah, just so right? many people. Like you're not gonna keep track of yeah. something like that. Yeah. So who knows if yeah. she was or was not? But it could be interesting. Like that might have been why she. If that was her, that maybe that was why she was Around in the area. area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the identification. So in 2022, skeletal remains were sent to Othram from these a DNA profile was generated that was used to identify distant relatives and eventually identify the victim. So on October 31st, Halloween 2022, the FBI field's office in Boston announced that the victim had been identified as Ruth Marie Terry, a woman from Tennessee with ties to Michigan, Massachusetts, and California. Growing up, Richard Hanchett heard stories about his biological mother, how beautiful she was with red hair and blue eyes, and how much she loved singing. So um, he quoted just a really nice person, mm-hmm. Mr. Hatchett, who is 64 now. So this is her, her son. And did he, because it was 
did he like know her or just heard stories about her he just heard stories about her okay. but he never met ruth marie terry yeah she chose to have him adopted right after he was born in 1958 okay um so let's see he was adopted by a couple who worked with her at a plant that made door panels mm-hmm. and seat covers for cars and she was 21 at the time yeah so that's how they knew her and like were able to tell him stories about right, her right yeah so just how like loving she was and her family talks about her too to um what's his name hatchet yeah mm-hmm. in 2018 hoping to find her, Mr. Hanchett, who lives in Waterford, Michigan, took a DNA test through Ancestry.com and met her family in Tennessee. So this is where he heard a lot right. more stories about her. Um, and that's when he learned that she had been missing since the early 1970s and that her relatives there had been searching for her for decades. That's crazy. So there were people searching for yes. her. Yes. That's so nuts. I know. I'm like... It's crazy that, and I mean, you—it's Michigan, so it's like you wouldn't, I, you like you wouldn't, because that—they're from Michigan, you said. Um, so he is the son is, but their family's in Tennessee. Okay, that's where she was born. But still, like Tennessee and Massachusetts, I feel like are Mm. not close at all. So I do understand how it was not. They were not. I don't know. And this is in 1970, so it's not like the internet, right? They didn't have anything like I don't know splashed across. Yeah. Like, Twitter or right. whatever. Like, you can't find that st- sort of stuff. And, like, I don't know. It's just a lot more harder. It's a lot more difficult to, like, connect cases that happen in one state and another state, I think, back then. Yeah. Because it could have been, yes, like, statewide news. But, it's, but it's easy to miss. It's so easy to miss. And especially if it's in a community that small, they might assume, oh, this person has to be from Massachusetts mm-hmm. because, like, why would she be here in the first place if she was not from around here, you know? Like, it, I don't know. that it, it does seem very easy to, like, go by people's heads. Yeah. But it just makes you think about, like, other cases that are unsolved from that time and, like, how many cases, like, could easily be solved, but they yeah. just don't make connections mm-hmm. between state and state, you know? Yeah. There's, like, no national database back then for, like, crimes being committed. Like, it's, I, and nowadays, like, you have, like, police in one state will be able to communicate with police mm-hmm. in another state. And you can have, like, a national database for crimes like this. But back then, I think there just wasn't as much access to things like that. Yeah. And then the last case that we did, too, how it was the border lines, remember? Like, when place yes. the, yeah. the sheriff's office and the other one was like and they had no idea yeah. that like, like even anything right had been found yeah so you so just it's happen. so easy mm-hmm. so the family finally learned what happened to her when the fbi announced that a badly mutilated body was found nearly 50 years ago in the dunes of provincetown massachusetts was that of miss terry who was 37 at the time mm-hmm. of her death and originally from tennessee so, like, that's so sad to, like... Yeah. You've been looking all this time and... Yeah, but at least they finally know, what like, happened. what happened to mm-hmm. her, kind of. Yeah. Um, so, the FBI stated that Terry's identified was determined using investigative genealogy, the same method used to identify other homicides and over 150 criminals, including the Golden State Killer. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
That is pretty cool. I know. Um, this case is currently being investigated as a homicide by the mm-hmm. Massachusetts State Police. The authorities announced a new development in the investigation, saying that they were seeking information about a man who is now deceased mm-hmm. named Guy Rockwell Moldovan, mm-hmm. who Miss Terry was believed to have married three months before she was murdered. Oh, so it could have been like a, I feel like that's always how you, who you have to look at first, is like the spouse yes. or the partner. And I have some information on this guy, Moldovan. So, on November 2nd, 2022, the Massachusetts State Police announced they were looking for her husband um, because Moldovan and Terry were married in February 1974. Mm -hmm. They both went by several different names, so they had, like, different aliases. That's suspicious. Right? It's like, why do you need so many? Like, so, a lot, I feel like I hear that a lot, like... I'm like, I never have I ever an alias. <laughs> like, never ever have I been like, I'm just gonna start going by Betty today. Like, <laughs> wh- what? Like, why I do you have so like many other names? Back then, right? To do that? Yeah, I guess because you don't have, it's not as much like digital tracking yeah. on you. Like, they can't just, whatever, scan your ID. But, like, still, like, how do you even decide on and ongoing about that? Like, just mm-hmm. you wake up one morning and you're like, today. I'm gonna be this. I'm gonna be Fred. I mean, they were like, like super different. Like for them, it was Raul Guy Moldovan, Raul Guy Rockwell, and Guy Moldovan Rockwell. Raul? How do you just dis- wake <laughs> up and decide on that name? <laughs> yeah. Was he white or was he Hispanic? I think he was. Was he white? I don't know. Like how? If you're white, why you wake up and you're like, I'm gonna be Raul, Raul. today? His name was Guy. So I feel like that's pretty That's pretty white. white. <laughs> I wonder anyone named Guy. I know. I think that was like an older kind of thing. Like, I think that was like a, um, I don't know. I feel like that was kind of like a 1960s, 1970s name. Yeah. That people would name their child. Yeah, I feel like there's nothing about like his ethnicity. Just yeah. since he was born in October 27th, 1923. Yeah. It's like a while back ago. Yeah. And there are some pictures of him, and we'll post all these pictures on our Instagram. He looks white. At Slice of Murder. He does look white, right? <laughs> so why was he Raul? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he met a nice Raul. He's like, I like that. He was name. taking Duolingo lessons. Boris <laughs> Murbs, who was 18. That's so suspicious that, like, I don't know. He has two wives or two partners go missing. Like, I think that that is not an accident. Right? And then I feel like I'm always so suspicious of people who've had, like, ex-wives or ex-girlfriends who go missing or who are murdered suspiciously, but they're never convicted of anything. Yeah. It's like, what are the odds of that happening? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, nobody, and it's like, there's no other suspect that makes sense. Like, right? Yeah. I feel And just wait till you see what they found. And I'm like, I can't believe he was not convicted of these murders. Oh, really? Yeah. So, this was in Seattle, Washington. According to the 1961 story in Early Time News, they disappeared from the home in Seattle where they lived with Moldovan, who also operated the antique shop in the building. When police searched the home four months later, 
They discovered human remains of a young woman in the septic tank in the basement. What? According to the report. They found that and he was not convicted of it? Yes. How? I don't know. How? So in September 1960, the AP reported that remains included an upper dental plate and a section of arm bone sawed at both ends. How do you not get convicted for something like that? And also, does that sound familiar? Yes. Like, but just... Dental and arms. That is just so nuts to me that he was not even, like, looked into. They found that in his house and he was not even... No. Because the remains could not be identified. Right. And multiple But it's somebody's remains. Yeah, like, it's like it's... why does he have somebody's arm? <laughs> but that is an arm anyway. Like, it shouldn't matter if it can't be identified. Like, that is somebody's arm. Yeah, so I guess because they can't prove, like, who it is or that he killed them. Like, who else keeps remains in their, their house? Yeah. Like, what? That is nuts. I, like, kept reading for more. I was like, did he ever? And he just never like, got convicted. That's crazy. So, Moldovan and Manzanita Rockwell divorced their spouses and married each other in 1956. And Rockwell and her daughter moved into Moldovan's home, but trouble arose in 1959 when Moldovan met his eventual third wife, Eveline Emerson. And so he divorced Mancinita Rockwell in, 19, in July 1960, three months after she and her daughter vanished on the grounds of desertion. Okay. Sounds like a convenient, like, convenient time for her to like desert him quote unquote mm-hmm. yeah so it's so suspicious yeah not lining up for me yeah and so he married emerson eight days later he fled seattle but was arrested by the fbi and charged with unlawful flight to avoid giving testimony into their deaths okay. so he was like arrested for that right. and he also faced larceny charges for swindling his third wife's uh, family out of $10,000 around the mm-hmm. time his second wife went missing. Okay, so it doesn't really sound like a good guy right. at all. Yeah, so, I mean, they did get him for that, for swindling money. But, like, off of the things that they could, uh, off of having an arm? Yeah. <laughs> a body? Like, they couldn't get you off of having a body? They're like, no, stealing Bruh. is worse. <laughs> So he was connected in 1961 on those charges and sentenced to no more than 15 years. Mm-hmm. And in March 1962, a judge suspended the sentence, provided Moldman repaid the money. So he just got off, like, in no time, yeah. as long as he repaid the $10,000. Yeah. That's Yeah. And... With that kind of stuff, too, I'm like, so maybe they can't prove it was you. Right, that mm-hmm. had anything to do with this mysterious body in your house. But could they not look at that and be like, okay, that's suspicious. Like, we can't prove it, but like, we can get you on this like swindling money thing and we're going to give you the full time. Like, right? I feel like that would make more sense to me. Like, maybe why are you giving him a way out? Right. Like, you, you look at the past and you look at the things that he's, I don't know, suspected of doing in the past. 
and you're like, okay, this is really suspicious. Like they couldn't prove that, but like I can prove this and I can give him up to 15 years. Like, I feel like I would give him 15 years just to be like, okay, well this is the max I can allow. Like let's keep him out of the public for 15 (laughs) years. Cause this is pretty suspicious. Like the things that have happened to him in the past. Yeah, but I guess not. I don't know who this judge was. Yeah. But he got out for nothing. Like, yeah. he just walked. Right. Free man. Um, and Moldovan is also the prime suspect in the June 1950 murder of 28-year-old Henry Baird and the disappearance of his 17-year-old girlfriend, Barbara Jo Kelly, that occurred shortly thereafter. So he's a suspect of everything. Do you not notice a pattern? Like everything, like what the? Like how? I was so shocked when I read this. Yeah. That's really insane. Yeah, there's like no doubt in my mind that it was him. Yeah, he sounds like, he sounds, I don't know, like sometimes people I feel like kind of hone in on like the partner or the spouse, like you have to look at them. But I feel like I've heard cases where it's like, oh, people look kind of like, um, I don't know, like they have tunnel vision on like the partner of the spouse. But this, it sounds like it's like, you should have had more tunnel vision on him. Like yeah. this is warranted. Like he's, if he's a prime suspect in like All three these, different murders, like I and feel. they found body yeah. parts at his house. Like I feel like that's pretty indicative of something. Like maybe we can look into him a little bit more. Yeah. So both of these events took place in. Humboldt County in California. Uh-huh. So this is kind of everything that they have so far, and I feel like if they could dig deeper into him, maybe they'll find something. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, he is deceased. He passed away in 2002. Okay. So there's really no way to, like, yeah, get it out of him or something. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no going to be no confession or anything. Yeah. So I guess they would have to find, like, physical evidence, right? Like prove it like placing them in the same area yeah so they're actually looking for any people who might have seen mm-hmm. them from around that time like 1972 to yeah. 1974 that might have seen him like that's in massachusetts so together ago. like how would that's so that's 50 years yeah, ago like i would like, not remember like oh yes like, unless you like knew them knew them and you're like i spent time with them in massachusetts right. which you probably wouldn't because nobody knew who she was in yeah, the first place that's true like, I would not remember. Oh, yeah. I saw that guy, like, while with I was girl. with that girl while I was eating lunch. Like, <laughs> I remember that. Like, like bro, I can't no. even remember what happened yesterday, okay? So <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm not sure that I would remember what happened 50 years ago. No. Yeah. So, but yeah, if you have any information, call the Massachusetts Police Department. Um, but. So the investigators said that there's more to learn about Terry's life to inch closer to whoever is responsible for her death. Mm -hmm. And he said the case should be a warning for criminals. And, quote, to every murderer, rapist, and violent offender out there, the FBI and our law enforcement partners will not rest. It may take years or even decades in some cases, but we are determined and we will be dogged in our search for justice for victims and their families. So, like, saying they'll not rest right. until they know who this is. Right. Well, I mean, it does, I feel like it does give hope for people who have been missing for a while or crimes that have committed been committed so long ago. Like, you can find the person responsible for this. 
like you are they are they were able to figure out who she was and at least that's like one step closer and at least that gives her family a little bit of closure about like what happened to her Mm -hmm. I mean definitely not what they to the extent of what they're looking for because they still haven't figured out exactly what happened but at least it gives them an idea of you know yeah like they're not just in in the total dark so yeah and the family actually didn't know well they thought that guy Maldivin was a good guy they Mm -hmm. didn't know about his past until recently until everything started coming out coming out yeah and then those kind of things like maybe they didn't make connections between all the things he'd been convicted of in the past you Mm -hmm. know like maybe there weren't they weren't able to I don't know how they wouldn't be able to see that, but it's like maybe they weren't able to kind of find those like that he was a suspect. Like they yeah. this the fact that he was a suspect, like he wasn't ever convicted of anything, so it like, wasn't in the system. Like maybe yeah, they weren't. How able would to, they know? Where would yeah. you look? Like newspapers from California? Yeah, but they lived in another state. Yeah, it was so. I I understand like how information can be lost, but I'm glad that it's all like it sounds like it's all coming to light now, mm-hmm. and I hope it continues to kind yeah, of hopefully with more information yeah coming out and this is so recent so like mm-hmm. i feel like they will be able to tie it to someone like yeah. whoever it was i i think that i don't know it just sounds like they're getting a lot of headway on the case and i think that sometimes the most difficult part of this whole thing is figuring out who that person was in the first place like that was murdered mm-hmm. so now that they figured out who it was like, immediately people are able to make connections, like, between her yeah. ex-husband, you know? Like, the hardest part was figuring out who it was in the mm-hmm. first place, so... so and this is her. This is Terry. Mm-hmm. And that does look pretty similar right? to the... The picture. Yeah. It like really her does. her face. Yes. Similar. Her hair looks a little different, but it's, like, same color. Uh-huh. It's so crazy to me. That's really nuts. Yeah, that's actually really cool. But, yeah. That is the case well, of the lady in the dunes, now identified as Ruth Marie Terry. I'm intrigued to see how this goes. Yeah, me too. And now Nina's going to try her empanada. <laughs> I did try it. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. So my student actually made, oh, my student's mom made these and I got some from her. They're, so They're really good. Yeah, if you know what cajeta is, they are filled with cajeta on the inside. It's like caramelly. Yeah, but it's, I think it's goat's milk. Not exactly, yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Not out of ten. Yay. We just had them for like a week, though, so. Yeah, they might have been out for a while. I've had like (laughs) ten, probably. I give them a ten out of ten. They're really good. All right. All right. Well, that is the case. Yeah. And we'll catch you in two weeks. And we will either be super happy because we have Taylor Swift tickets or not happy at all. Or or just we quit life. (laughs) Or we just might not have a podcast ever again. (laughs) Because we're so sad to do anything. We just, we can't even speak about anything. (laughs) 